in five, four, three. Great Athlete Podcast number 24. 24. 24. And uh, it's me and Vinny here this time. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Uh, the other guys uh, couldn't make it, and they are off doing some other things. So we are here, and that's my beard you hear. I can hear it. <laughs> it's No Shave November, man. Beard's getting a little thick. Yeah, I had to shave mine. I had some grown-up stuff I had to Did you put a little milk on there, let the cat kind of get that stuff off your face? Yeah, you know, I just shook my face and it all just kind of fell off, (laughs) all all five of them. Well, I'm James, and I'm here with Vinny, and we are um, back at it. A lot going on since the last trip. We tried to uh, do a couple podcasts in between the last one, but we had some technical difficulties and some um, scheduling conflicts, so... I think difficult could be a word. Difficult, difficult. I think difficult could definitely be a word. Difficult, yeah. So we uh, we finally just had to get together and nail one down. It's been a lot going on the last few weeks. I uh, we did our DC trip. That was pretty fun. It was pretty amazing, and uh, everybody should go to DC. Like if you, I was kind of always like. It's whatever, you know, like, if you go, you go. I figured it'd be, you know, it'd be kind of neat to see, but not really anything, like, breathtaking, you know. Um, I've seen a lot of photos and the monuments and stuff. It's pretty cool. A lot of the architecture there is very square, very cube. You know, the blocks are all grid and everything. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, And we go there, and I was completely wrong. Everything there, when you get there, it's one thing to look at a monument, like, online or in a photo or on TV. But when you're there, like, the the gravity of it kind of hits you. You know what I mean? And, uh... What's the, uh, what's the energy like? What's positive. The yeah? It, what's, like, is, uh, you know, being the capital and being with everything going on uh, in our world today, you know, what... How was the energy? How was it being there around, like, the lo- locals and stuff? Positive. Like, this is the weird thing that I did not expect that completely threw me off for a loop was everybody there had a good attitude. Everybody there was nice. Everybody there was friendly. Um, it was kind of weird. Like, we were there five days. On the third day, it was like, hey, are you guys noticing, like, everybody is nice here. Everybody's being nice. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's helpful. Um, you know, we were, we were on, we jumped on a bus and, uh, you know, we, we were kind of like looking at a map and this lady's like, you know, where, where are you guys trying to go? We told her and she's like, all right, listen, you can get here on this bus, but if you wait five minutes, if you get off, wait five minutes, instead of it being 
a 30-minute bus ride with going around this way. If you wait for the next bus, it's going to be a direct route, and you'll be there in 15 minutes. So it's up to you. So little things like that, like they don't have to, you know, she's a bus driver. What did it matter to her? You yeah. know, you know, and that's just a small example of how uh, how the people there were nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But another, you know, there's a lot going on with uh, the whole, you know, President Trump and, um, you know, the patriotism about standing for the flag and all that. And you, you go to Washington, think there's going to be a bunch of liberals and, you know, everything there is going to be kind of business. But, dude, there was a flag on every building. Everybody there had some kind of red, white, and blue, stars and stripes, like, every, it was, next to Philadelphia, that was one of the most patriotic places, you couldn't look anywhere without seeing it, it was pretty cool, and it was cool to see all the tours, there was a bunch of kids there doing school, school trips, and uh, we saw some schools from Scotland, Ireland, one school from Canada, and they're coming here on field trips, to see our our nation's capital, it was pretty cool, but there was a lot of local schools going around. I mean, there was thousands of teenagers walking around, and they all had on um, stars and stripes. You know what I mean? There was um, there was kids taking pictures, and you know, in front of the White House, and this and that, and it it was pretty cool to see. Like, you can't really believe everything you see in the media, where the youth is not patriotic because you d- you didn't see it there. I only heard one kid say something negative and it was to her mom. She was about 13 years old, 12 or 13 years old, and we were actually in the White House going through the tour, like walking through the White House. And uh <clears throat> I I heard the mom say, "Do you want to look look in here, look in this room?" And the girl actually said, "I don't care." I don't even want to be here. And I looked at her and I was like, it was everything I had to do just to grab that kid, pull her off in the corner and explain where she was at, why she's here and kind of chew into her a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but at 13 years old, that might've just <clears throat> gone in and out. Yeah. She, there could have been a lot going on. She could have not been, her parents could have not bought her something that she wanted earlier that day or something. So, I mean, it, it, there's a lot, you know, I get that. But still, for I, I don't care. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be here. That was the only negative comment I heard the entire time. Uh, actually, what's crazy is a few days after you got back, I saw it. I don't know if you saw it, that post. Somebody posted on Facebook. They were at the uh, memorial at uh, the cemetery and saw uh, General Matisse walking around in the cemetery. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was pretty cool. I was like, man. It was on Veterans Day. On Veterans Day, yep. Yeah. Well, Imagine if you'd have been there at that time. Yeah, I know that. You'd have been starstruck. Yeah, yeah, I would have been. I actually, uh, you know, we, we got to do the White House tour, which was pretty awesome. Um, I mean, even the Secret Service guys that are on the outside at the gate were nice. You, you know what I mean? Like, they were, you know, we asked one of them a couple questions. They answered it. One guy took our picture for us, and... <laughs> Um, one of the guys was like joking around like oh yeah we're going on the tour tomorrow he's like oh, I'll probably be checking you in joking around well the next day when we were going into the, the tour 
um, he was there. And he's like, hey, what's up? Told you I'd be checking you guys in. And he didn't have to, you know, remember that. But the fact that he remembered that and everything else. And uh, we actually saw him a couple times throughout the week while we were there. And they rotate positions and stuff. Not that I was, like, keeping track of their shift changes or how they rotate or anything like that. They were keeping track of you. Yeah, it's like they were following me. But um, they, uh, the guy, Madison, they had like a thing, you know, certain hashtag to use. And uh, Madison took took a selfie in front of the White House and used that hashtag. And then that guy, I, I guess, was like, oh, that Secret Service guy in the background looks looks pretty cool. And it ended up being him. You know what I mean? So it was, it was kind of neat. You know what I mean? That they, they all, and it's not just him, but all of them interact. There was one guy that was there from Florida inside. And uh, the, during the White House tour, they're like, you know, the Secret Service here to ask, you know, ask questions. They'll help you through the tour and stuff. And everybody was being real quiet. No one was wanting to talk or anything. And it said there were signs, please photograph, please ask questions, please talk, you know. So I saw the one guy and he had his name tag on there and it said from Florida. I was like, what's up, Florida? Where are you from? He's like, oh, Bradenton. I'm like, Oh, we're from Winter Haven. He's like, Polk County, Grady Judd. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, and then from that, that kind of kicked it off to where we were just, you know, asking them all questions. And they could tell you in detail the history of that room, the furniture, what's happened in that room. It was pretty cool, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, then we got to see the National Archives with the Declaration of Independence. That was, that was pretty cool. I mean... It was, it was almost overwhelming a little bit. A little surreal. Yeah, I was like, man, there it is right there, you know. And uh, the Constitution, and even the arms, they had armed security guards on either side of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. They had armed security guards inside the little room that you walk into. They had armed security guards, and it's like, man, this is just a piece of paper to a lot of people. But I'm glad to see our government holds that paper is like that's it like that our our country exists because of these documents right here and they don't play no joke there's no photographs no videoing no nothing you come in you're quiet you walk you look um and the guards same thing security guards hey see that right there on the constitution you notice anything funny about it and i'm looking and looking i'm like no i don't see anything he's like there's only 12 colonies that signed it I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yep, Rhode Island didn't sign it till after the Bill of Rights was drafted. And uh, I was like, oh. And he's like, yeah, this is the original. This one, this is it. This is it. There's no, you know, backdating and signing. And, there's, and then you started looking, and there's only the 12 colonies on the Constitution, which was pretty cool. And he's like, and then on the Declaration, one of the guys said something, you know, and, and then... uh. He was like, can you find George Washington's signature on the Constitution? I'm looking around, looking around, looking around. And I'm like, no. And he's like, it's way over here in the corner on the top. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. He's like, yep. He didn't want any attention drawn to himself like John Hancock did on the Declaration. But the Declaration of Independence is pretty faded, except for John Hancock's signature. You can still make that signature out like, as plain as day, just like any photograph or anything. It's, it's big. I mean, he used a ton of ink to sign his name. 
he had to have because a lot of the other stuff is faded and everything. But old uh, Thomas Jefferson, he, uh, he, he wrote a couple letters, and he actually had the documents removed once, once they formed the current government. He actually had them moved and, and started a National Archives, per se, um, because he didn't want anyone to be able to get a hold of it and change it or make something, you know, because back then you figure, if this piece of paper is gone, that's it. This is the only proof we have is this piece of paper. So if someone was to forge it or change it, then who's to say what's what? What's what, yeah. You know? So another thing he did, which was cool, is he took the, uh, the Declaration of Independence and he had um, an engraving made of it on a copper sheet. And they have that in the National Archives. I mean, these documents are also huge, by the way. They're a lot bigger than what you think. He had an actual engraving made from the Declaration, a, a rubbing or however they did it. But that, I mean, you can see it identical, perfect and everything. And that's what they used to make 13 copies for each of the colonies. And then they made... Um, there was 13, like 13 official copies made that they sent out. And then that's what they used to print off more to hand out throughout the states and stuff like that. So everyone could see it and see that it's the same document. It was pretty cool. But uh, one of the things uh, that was surprising was Arlington. Like we went to the Smithsonian, all that stuff's cool. Like, you know, um, but Arlington, like was overwhelming like everyone kept saying like you need to spend a day at Arlington just it's a day you can't go there I'm like well it's only 15 minute ride over there you figure we're gonna walk they, it was a mile to the tomb of the unknown soldier um, you know we figured we'd be there two and a half hours didn't know anybody that's buried there didn't want to just randomly walk through a cemetery you know what I mean I didn't want to be disrespectful so I figured we'd go watch Changing the Guards and leave. No, that's not the way it went. Like when you're walking through and you start reading some of the headstones and some of the names and some of the battles that they were in and the dates and everything, it was like a almost like a history lesson as you're walking to it. And then uh, watching the Changing of the Guards was impressive. You can't just you can't show up for that and then just leave. Like you have to watch the whole presentation, which takes about an hour. You know, so that was pretty cool. Um, it puts into perspective, like, what people are doing, you know, like people who served and stuff like that, because it was, uh, it was overwhelming when you see, and like how you see on TV, all of the headstones are in a perfect line. I mean, it, it's pretty, pretty impressive. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, just the the feeling, the feeling to be around all that history and all of that. You know, just even just walking through, looking at the ages. I, I imagine the ages, the battles, everything. I, I can't, you know, I can't really even talk about it because I haven't been there, I haven't seen it. Haven't yeah. And you know who owned that property originally? Who lived there before it became a cemetery? A little fun fact. Who's that? That was Robert E. Lee's home. Oh. Yeah. And uh, 
they tell you the whole history of it and everything there. Um, Robert E. Lee was married to George Washington's granddaughter, his step-granddaughter. And that was actually that family's lineage, you know what I mean, their property. And right before the Civil War broke out, Lincoln went to Robert E. Lee and said, will you be my general? And he was like, no, I can't take up arms against my fellow Virginians. And uh, so he actually actually left and left the home. And uh, whenever one of the battles started or whatever, they started burying um, they they buried slaves there that who had fought in the Civil War first, and then they started burying Union soldiers there. It's kind of weird, kind of like almost like a all right, kind of like an fu, you know what I mean? A little bit maybe, but uh, so that's how it started. And uh, there was a big thing about you know once they surrendered and paying the family money back and all that for the property, but it was uh. It was pretty neat. It was overwhelming, surreal. You know what I mean? You see, there's uh, 480,000 people buried there. Damn. It must be a very large piece of land. It is. Is, um, there, is there still room to grow? Four, yeah, 400 acres, I believe it is. 400 or 480 acres, something like that, 500 acres. And it is, like I said, man, it is perfect rows, perfectly gridded. I mean, it's overwhelming. Damn. Yeah. But enough of that. One cool thing. It's kind of surprising. We ran into Charlie Crist at the airport. Did I tell you that? No, you did not tell me that. <clears throat> yeah, that was pretty funny, man. Um, so we get off the plane and we're walking through and we're like, is that Charlie Crist? Man, looks like Charlie Crist. But one, he looked shorter. And two, he, he didn't really look tan enough to be Charlie, Charlie Chris so we walk out and we're like Mr. Chris and he's like oh yeah hey you know and he's he's very thin very frail looking dude he's a little little shorter than than what I thought he'd be and uh so you know we're talking to him we're like, you tell like he was a little standoffish at first and we're like, oh, hey, you know, we're from Florida. And he kind of, as we talked to him, he started lighting up. I guess he was waiting to see if we were going to, like, tear into him or something, you know. But he was actually very polite. Once we told him we were from Florida, we're there on vacation. It's our first time. He, like, opened up and was like, oh, you got to see this. You got to see that, you know, kind of going on and on. So it was, he was very polite, very um, happy to talk to us, I guess. You know what I mean? So it was pretty cool. Um, but... Yeah, I was kind of wanting to ask him, like, so are you uh, independent this week still, or are you back to Democrat, <laughs> or are we going back to Republican? Which side of the fence are you on? Yeah, I didn't want to hammer him too much, though, but um, I definitely definitely was uh, pretty cool. We got to see most of the monuments and stuff, but I want to go back. We, we need to go back in the spring, I guess, to see the cherry blossoms. It'd be pretty cool. Pretty cool, but anyway, that was D.C. Boom. Yeah. One in the books. Yep. Next one, uh, Jones Gap. Jones Gap. Yep. It actually happened. It did happen. And, you know, I'm very excited that it happened. Um, I'm still recovering a little in my legs uh, from the Jones Gap trip. However, I was much more prepared than the Pine Barrens. Oh, yeah. I slept. I was warm. I think the second night I slept probably a solid 10, 10 hours. Yeah. 
Yeah, it it uh, it was it was cool. It was a fun trip. Um, finally happened. We've been talking about it since February, and uh, you know, we drove up there. Camper pulled great. Um, you know, camper worked. It was uh, it was a it was a nice drive up there. Rain the whole time up there. Only thing that sucked, you know, you know, was the the rain on the way up, but. It's a good and bad. Like the rain on the way up did suck, but um, messing with the mic there. There you go. Um, it it filled up the rivers and the waterfalls and stuff like that. So, um, which was kind of cool because it would have wouldn't have been as fun to hike the four miles up to Rainbow Falls through that elevation and terrain and everything else, and then the waterfall not flow because there was no water. So yeah, the whole time hiking up that, um, I mean, it was what we climbed like 2,300, 2,300 feet in elevation. Yeah. And I'm the whole time just thinking, man, this better be majestic as shit when I get up there. Yeah. I just better, I got to feel it. I got to see it and just be like, oh, it was worth it. And sure shit. When we got up and turned that last corner and saw that massive rock sitting out and then looked up past that and then there's what 200 foot falls. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool getting to see, to see that. So let, let's back up. Let's start at the beginning. We'll start at the beginning. Um, so we get there, and uh, show up at the trailhead. It was me, you, Todd, Damon, Doug, and Mike. Jerry didn't make it. He was sick, and Rob didn't make it. He couldn't couldn't get away. So we get there, take our normal picture, and we hike up. First thought when we start hiking. Damn, this bag is heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for upgrading our gear, I was like, I was a little disappointed at the weight of my bag. Like, I think we definitely overdid it. Um, it was just on food. Just on food. I, I figured out that I had 13 pounds of food. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to hike in for two days and eat like kings. <laughs> yeah. But we did have... What did we have? We had corned beef hashed over sweet potatoes and eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Holla. And we had Spam. We had chicken breast. I mean, we definitely ate good for sure. Um, but <laughs> um, my first thought was, holy shit, this is a little steeper than I thought. Like the, the ele- uh, elevation. Yeah, like the, the terrain. terrain. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, for those of you that have never been... Um, there's some good elevation. There's some good climbs, some good steep hills. Um, the terrain is, uh, pretty rocky. So you need to make sure you have, uh, good boots and some trekking poles, which we had good boots, but we did not have trekking poles. And I think that's on our, on our lessons learned as far as, uh, gear. I think, uh, our gear was pretty on point though. So we hiked, um, about four miles in to the campsite, set up camp, and then we hiked for about three and a half miles back to uh, to the trailhead to Rainbow Falls. And then we hiked, I think it was like 3.9 miles up there, up 2,300 feet elevation. It was, uh, yeah, and when we got when we got to the base camp, you know, 
for the longest time it was first priority, first priority, firewood, firewood, firewood. Mm-hmm. We got there, everybody started setting up their tents. So mm-hmm. uh, we got our tent situation squared away, went and found some firewood, and then it was like, hey, let's go do a short hike. Let's go do a small little hike real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 15 miles later. Yeah. Um, I think we, we made it back. We were hiking in the dark with our headlamps on. Yep. Um, and all I could just imagine was getting back and getting huddled up around that fire. And there was no fire. There was no fire. Yeah. Not, not everybody went, I'm not going to call anybody out, Damon, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) no, we're just joking, but no, Damon did stay back. Damon did get water and filter water out for us, but we left and, uh, you know, we're thinking, oh, it's just a four mile hike. Not thinking we got to hike first three and a half miles back to where we where the crossing was and uh so we hike and it's in the mid 50s low 60s i think i was soaked you and i were soaked with sweat like it was a lot hotter than what i thought so we hike all the way up there which ended up being almost eight miles and get to the falls instantly temperature dropped it's 20 degrees cooler there's a lot of mist in the air the water's right there soon as we got there i was like oh shit i felt that chill like my shirt was soaked i was like oh man like if i don't if i can't get this under control like i'm gonna be screwed so we checked out the falls and everything we go to leave and i take my shirt off which was just completely drenched in sweat put on a a thermal and i was like man i hope i don't soak through this one the hike down was easier um but once that temperature, or once the sun went down, the temperature dropped again. It got cold. You know, we were, like you said, we were hiking back at night. Got a fire started. I ended up, that thermal that I had ended up being soaked anyway, you know. So, that was a lesson learned. Base layers. Base Def- layers, yes. Definitely got to have better base layers. Um, and, you know, you'd almost think that it was like a no-brainer to research the area that you're going nope but we did not do that and if i ever when i go again i'm going to look at the area because trekking poles are where it's at oh yeah yeah without a doubt especially like you know me having bad knees like it wasn't the distance that we hiked that that wore me out it was the constant state of finding secure footing you know what i mean so it was like i was constantly walking in this awkward position of like kind of squatted like you know making sure I didn't slip or anything because there was a couple times I slipped and I was like oh shit man I don't want to be I don't want to be the guy that gets carried out of here because you know I blew a knee out or something and I know I'm overly paranoid about that but when you've had a couple surgeries and you're on the hinge of another you know you definitely want to be be a little careful I mean even you you've got rod and screws in your knees you know you got a little sore but, um, but yeah, it wasn't the distance, it was the elevation and then the terrain that kind of kicked my butt. Um, cause here in Florida, no matter how many miles we do, it's, you're not going to mimic the elevation no. and it's not even walking at that high of feet or that high of elevation. It's walking up to the <laughs> elevation that sucks, you know? Um, but it was a good time. We camped that first night. I slept awesome. I was warm. I mean, my sleeping pad, I had the Sea to Summon inflatable sleep, sleeping pad, North Face um, synthetic uh, sleeping bag. 
And then uh, the tent, man. I was warm. I had no issues. I took my stuff sack, put all my extra clothes in it, plus I had my little camp pillow. Dude, I slept. That next morning, that, that first morning, I didn't want to get up. I was like, man, this is all warm and cozy and comfy in here. And uh, I unzipped my tent because I hear someone kind of like crackling around, you know. And uh, I stick my head out of the tent, and it's Todd, and I see him out there trying to get the fire going <laughs> and everything. And I'm like, oh, shit, somebody's cold. <laughs> because uh, I know you and I, our gear was on point. You know, Todd had a good tent. He said he had a good sleeping bag. But I, I don't know, I think he was cold the first night, he said. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. The either. first night wasn't. I didn't sleep very well, only because I didn't choose a very good spot for my tent. So I was on a somewhat of a slope. So I moved my entire tent, and the second night, yeah, I was I, I was flat and I slept. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, pretty cool. Um, it was a nice feeling waking up that morning, going, "Man, I slept really good." Um, a lot better than our Pine Barrens. Yeah, Pine Barrens was a disaster. Yeah, I was exhausted at Pine Barrens from shivering. Shivering wore me out. <laughs> well, and then the next day we uh, woke up, made breakfast for, I mean, it was a breakfast fit for a king, you know, sweet potatoes, eggs, corned beef hash, coffee. Yeah, all that's weight we carried in. Next time, um, I think I'm going to just stick with my oatmeal, ramen, and that, that chicken breast. That yeah. one chicken breast that you cooked and we yeah. sliced it into pieces, that was perfect. And it yep. didn't take up a lot of space. Um, Had good protein. Great protein. Um, and uh, I had these little um, like Nature's Valley peanut butter crackers that I carried with me during the day hike. Um, and just, you know, little, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, trail mix, a little yeah. bag of trail mix that I didn't even burn through. So, um, I think that I can get all of my food into one little compartment. And I think there, cause I didn't weigh my food, but I knew my bag was about 32 pounds. Yeah. Well, I know like Mike, you know, he basically brings a pound a day pound of food a day so i figure that's a good gauge between oats ramen chicken breast and trail mix if you if you give yourself a pound of food a day you know it's pretty good pretty good little measurement or guide you know what i mean um but yeah the second day we hiked and uh wasn't as bad because we didn't have all of our gear but um we hiked around did a pretty good hike that one was pretty fun because of the rock faces we got to see and the inclines. I mean, going down, there was a couple times I wore a GoPro that took a picture um, like every 30 seconds or something, and there's one photo, you saw it, of we were going down and the incline and the grade was so steep and it was rock that like I slipped and you see my hands reaching out for a tree and you see the, you know, the tree and the angle and it's kind of blurry and you can tell like I'm falling trying to grab <laughs> trying to grab the tree and then there's a couple photos where you can tell I'm I I turned around and was climbing down backwards 
on all fours because I didn't want to slip. You know what yeah. I mean? So it was fun. It was definitely a fun, fun hike, fun trip. Um, but some of our lessons learned were uh, were trekking poles. Trekking poles, um, a water bottle to transfer the water from the stream back to my bladder. Um, and food a, weight. And food weight and a better chair. <laughs> Yeah, um, my chair was pretty awesome. I'm glad I got it. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. But um, and then uh, base layers. And base layers, yeah. Yeah, you know when you just wear standard thermals, you know, it doesn't do you any good because it it we it was surprisingly hot when you were hiking. You know, burning a lot of calories, expending a lot of energy. Even though it was cool out, you still sweat. And once you get your clothes wet, you get that chill, man. It was, it was over. So, um, definitely a better set of base layers. And then, uh, anything else on Go- Jones Gap there? No, it was a great time, and um, I look forward to us planning a. I'd like to plan a little short trip, um, maybe not short, so maybe same time frame, but where we can bring the girls. Yeah, I like to do the Southern Appalachian Trail because it's not terrible. Uh, far to drive and it's there's a lot of there's a lot of information that you can find on that because definitely the biggest lessons learned for Jones Gap was uh, research the terrain and the area so that'll be uh, I'd like to do that there's some uh, there's some outposts that you can go and visit some some places that will like drop you off and then pick you up at the next destination because there's like Jones Gap is a big loop all the trails loop and the AT is pretty much a straight line there's not really places to loop so we'd either have to bring two vehicles or go through one of the uh the state park they have these shuttles that you can these shuttle companies that you can contact through the um, state park, the national or uh, Georgia State Park or whatever it's called, um, and they'll actually pick you up and shuttle you to a trailhead and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. So we have to look into something like that. I'm down. Yep. Down yep. like four flats on a Cadillac. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. What else is going on? Thanksgiving's coming up. Thanksgiving's coming up. Uh, got a pretty busy uh, trip, uh, or a pretty busy day coming up, and then uh, I got a we got a pretty, or I have a pretty big trip coming up uh, planned. Can't really talk about it right now because it's uh, top secret. Mm-hmm. Um, but once uh, Christmas comes around, I'll be able to talk about it. It'll be really cool. Cool, cool. I got a trip coming up. I'm going to Philly in January. There you go. Gonna go hang out with Joe for uh, a couple days, do a little snowboarding. And we got Joe Rogan coming up March 17th. Yep. And then J.J. Gray's in February. Are you guys going to go to that? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, we missed him this year. And uh, I was supposed to get tickets for Sarah for her birthday. He was supposed to be here in town, but it ended up not working out. So we're going in February. So I've got the Philly trip in January, J.J. Gray in February, and Joe Rogan in March. Now we just need to plan something for April. Appalachian Trail. 
There you go. That's where I said. I said, remember, we said April. We're going. We're doing that. Oh yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. What? Hey, uh, so that's about it. It's just back to you and I for a little while, I guess, till the other guys can get their schedules and all that down. But uh, you know, we'll go out on a on a, another fun fact since we talked about it at the beginning on this day in history. You know what? Um, you know what happened on this day in history? No. <clears throat> the Gettysburg Address. Really? Yep. President Lincoln, one of the best-known uh, speeches was given by Lincoln during the American Civil War on this afternoon, November 19th, 1863, at the dedication of the Soldier, Soldiers National Cemetery in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, the famous speech started with the four-score and seven years ago. Four score and seven years ago. Yeah, that iconic phrase referring to the what? What was he referring to when he said four score and seven years ago? Did you just put me on blast? The Declaration of Independence. I wasn't even thinking that. No, yeah, that's what he was referring to. Government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. Pretty important speech. Pretty cool. On this day in history. See, it was meant to be. All the other podcasts were meant to be postponed. Until today. Yep, until today. All right, well, I guess we'll leave you with a little motivational speech. All right, until next time. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Until next time. Until next time.